Lenora's going to be so jealous. Welcome to episode number 17.5 of RSVP, a podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Lest, and my co-host tonight is Dee. Lenore is off adventuring with her family and grading papers. Tonight, we're talking with Joey Caffone about Baron Fig, but first, let's talk about what we're drinking. What's going on, Dee? Nothing much. Um... I'm consuming chamomile tea over here because I'm a rebel Um, and enjoying some chocolate chip cookies I made last night. Um, And I'm writing with a Viking Element 2 pencil. Um, I didn't choose it. It chose me. It just happened to be on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just was here. Um, And I'm not even going to say this anymore until I switch, but I'm writing my reporter's notebook. Yeah, you you, you know what? Now it's it's like a joke and you have to say it. I know, right? I feel like, you know, you know why I feel weird saying it? Because I feel like Steve from Blue's Clues. Because <laughs> like, you have you have your notebook. Yeah, my handy-dandy notebook. handy-dandy notebook. Oh, so that's okay. it for me. What about you? You know, I, I literally pulled into the driveway five minutes before we had to get on, um, uh, like before we started recording. Uh-huh. And so I'm drinking water. And that's it. I'm starving. I should have eaten. I should have. I should have gotten takeout and eaten it on the way home. I got stuck in traffic, um, off getting off the highway. So yeah, it was awful. Well, are you getting snow out there? N- not yet. We're supposed are you to get going snow to? tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're supposed to get one to two inches, and then rain, which will melt it away because oh. I'm on the coast. So you're not having like snow apocalypse. Like here, we're getting like five to seven inches so traffic is horrible yeah because people are going to the store and getting gas and all that garbage um my the area where i work which is north and close to new hampshire Mm -hmm. um which and it's about 45 minutes away they're supposed to get the five to ten inches and so everyone at work was like oh my god are we actually going to be able to come in on on you know tomorrow yeah and so it's like Yes, we're. It's 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 only supposed to snow over the weekend, people. Yeah, go get your bread, milk, and eggs, and freak out. Yeah, so. exactly. And never um, in my life have I used bread, milk, or eggs while being snowed in. I've made French toast. Uh, yeah, but not like explicitly. Like I don't say, "Oh man, I need those eggs." No, I already had it in the house. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, you know what was like a thing that we used to do when I was significantly younger. Uh, when we would have a snowpocalypse, we would all go out and buy booze, um, yeah. which sounds like I have a problem, but I swear I don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, nah, you know what? I'm not going to go into what I did over the ice storm back in 98. Yeah. Um, back in 98. <laughs> back in 98 in my day. I was um, 18. <laughs> I was doing lots of bad things in 98. You and me both. Um, anyway, I am writing with a 211 because I nice. can't have a centennial edition, uh, but I'm not bitter. I am using my Nomad notebook that I got in the mail from the Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm, I wish I backed that, but it came at a time like always. Um, I couldn't uh-huh. like justify spending money on it. So why don't we, like going off of that, why don't I just spill right into my what's exciting? Yeah. Um, you no, wish. you don't. You don't wish you um, wish you got them. 
Okay. Okay. So okay. Let me let me let me <laughs> go back. Yes, they're they're very pretty. The covers uh-huh. are awesome. The covers are super heavy duty. But I great. got the mixed pack of um like different rulings inside, different grids. Uh huh. Um, and the grids are so minuscule that I'm gonna have to write on three of the of the small size dot grid to be able to see my writing. So is it like the grid size that like remember write notepads had really tiny grid with I think it was Lenore. I never saw those. I don't have a Lenore. Oh. Um, it they are two and a half millimeter. Jesus, what what's the point of that? Exactly, it's too small to be useful. Um, and then the isometric is I think three millimeters high. The there's a hex grid that's a dot grid. Mm-hmm. is two millimeters and then six millimeters. Um, then there's a regular grid that's also two and a half millimeters. And then there's a dot grid that's a typical six millimeter. It that's makes scary. no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And How's the paper? The paper's not bad, actually. Um, if you want to just ignore all the ruling, the paper did really well with my um, with my fountain pens. It handled it pretty well. Feels nice with pencil, actually. Nice. Um, but that's, yeah, I'm writing in that for today. But um, would I buy another package? No. Nope. Yeah, that's, that's poopy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the nature of Kickstarter. But also, yeah. um, it's good that, like, they weren't that expensive, right? No, it was like a typical $9.99 three-pack th- um, three price. Okay, so. all right. Um, so, what's exciting for you? Um, well, I already talked about snow. Yeah. The only reason that's exciting for me is because I don't have anything to do. Nice. Like, so, like, I have to work early in the morning, like, 10 to 2, but snow's gonna start around noontime, they said, so Mm -hmm. I can come home, I can do nothing, Gina's off work, we can watch crappy movies all day, it'll be perfect. Nice. Um... And then the Centennial Edition is excited for me. Sorry, I stole your thunder there. That's okay. Um, That's cool. <laughs> I like. I'm just excited about it in general. I'm not mm-hmm. excited about the way parts of it went down, and not not because of just because some people were complaining about the fact that well, this is what subscription services are for, and this is why they're limited. Like, you know, I get that, but the fact that people that were subscribers didn't even get them. Yeah. Because of the nature of having them sell out. And then also, it was apparent to me that some people that have two or three subscriptions were able to get four or six boxes. Um, It should have been per household. I know that, like, storefronts online can set it up that way. Mm -hmm. Like, one per address. And just do it that way. Because, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a large percentage, but... It just it it's, it was sucky because it was also a time when people were at work. Yeah. So unless you're a person that is privileged enough to work in a place where you can be at a computer and do what you want to do when you want to do it, right. so it just it kind of like as you cut down through the layers of who could get these items, they were people that you know deserve them because they're subscribers. But it just it just felt crappy, and it just added to the crappiness that I feel every time people get subscriber extras because I can't afford. all at once to subscribe to something. Well, I mean, so part of the discussion, and we could probably do an entire podcast (laughs) on this, 
um, that I really resonated with was the FOMO marketing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go deep on that because no. literally I think we can do a whole podcast, but I think FOMO marketing, I'm done with it. Yeah. Um, I'm not so like, I, I haven't sus- subscribed to anything in I think over a year now. Yeah. And- I canceled my CW subscription. Like my card had expired. So it yeah. like, she asked me to re upload the card and I just didn't even yeah. do it. Like, yeah. Uh, that, you know, that's the only one that I'm kind of interested in mm-hmm. um, because the only thing that I've ever subscribed to that I miss is yeah. Pencil of the Month. And yeah. I, I wish someone would take up the mantle of Pencil of the Month and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in a smaller size. Like, I don't want to spend $30. Um, no, but, but if, want- you had, if you had someone say, you know, I don't know, like... Like what was the what was the total cost of pencil of the month? It was five bucks per month. Yep, every month. Yeah, so maybe you know someone could pick that up and just cap it at a certain amount of people. Yeah, or or like or even if it was like a ten dollar and you got three pencils or five pencils or something, so that it makes more sense monetarily for the vendor to do. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I just, I really wish someone would pick that up and do it again, because that, that was just, I mean, it was just such a little thing and five to $10 is totally doable, even on my budget. So that's the only thing I miss. And it was, you know what? The great thing about pencil of the month was that it wasn't about FOMO. No, not at all. Because you could almost always go to the CW pencil enterprise website and buy that same pencil. If you liked it, it was to me, it was all about. Here, I'm going to send you a random pencil with a little story because, as we know, I'm a sucker for the story. That's what we learned last week. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it gave me a chance to try pencils that I wouldn't necessarily have tested out. Um, yeah, no. And, like, I really, I don't know how quick this episode is going to be put out, but, like, there's already a box of Centennial Edition up on eBay. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's got... Uh, it's up to $120 as of this recording. Yeah. And like, like I had said to you before, like I have a connection, I'm not going to name this person, but they have been so kind to offer me, you and Lenore a pencil each if we aren't able to get our hands on them. So, um, I, we could talk about that. Uh, so yeah. So they're, you know, like that's, what's great about this community that, yeah there are people that are in it for the love of it, you know? And, yeah. and you know, like, it's kind of funny. It actually came up in the group. Someone posted that eBay auction and it's like, it's yeah. one of us, isn't it? It's gotta be one of us, you know, like, so it's like, you know, it's, I, I'm done with that cycle of fear of missing out because it's made me spend way too much money. I don't have. And yep. made me feel all kinds of crappy things that I don't want to have to feel about pencils and notebooks and everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So, so that's what's exciting for me, and yeah. So let me introduce my last exciting thing. Thing. Yeah. Holy crap! We've got Joey from Baron Fig here with us. I know that's super exciting. I am so excited. I'm really bummed that Lenore is missing out on this. Yeah, Lenore is going to be so jealous. Right now, she's probably like putting like Scantron sheets through the Scantron. <laughs> 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 and we're gonna chat with joey of baron fig yeah it'll be really great hey folks les here just a quick note about today's audio 
I used a new widget to record Skype, and it didn't work well. Actually, it worked really horribly. However, I was able to use some uh, processing to remove some of the reverb and the echo out of Joey's voice. And luckily, Dee and I recorded most of our audio separately in separate tracks. So we were able to piece together this really fabulous interview with Joey. And I hope you'll enjoy the interview despite some of the audio problems. It's mostly just echo and it's totally listenable, I think. Um, So please forgive the audio quality and listen to this awesome interview. Thanks so much. So let's get into our main topic this evening. Let's start with a disclaimer. I do get some Baron Fig products for review on my blog, and I generally like them very much. Um, So despite um, Baron Fig not supporting this podcast, they have been very generous to my blog and also to Dee's blog, The Weekly Pencil. So neither Dee nor I backed the most recent Kickstarter, but Lenore did. I do know she's very happy with her bag so far. Um, So in in the past, we have talked about our feelings about Baron Fig being a bit of a stationary bro brand. Um, I just thought, you know, you know how I am. I'm a little blunt. So I thought I would just throw that right out there in the open in the beginning. Uh, And in the past, we've we've talked, you know, we've talked about that quite a bit. But in the last year, you've really expanded into collaborating with women and people of color. And we really respect that new direction and some of the new look. Um, That's great. Very cool. Um, Dee, do you have anything to say about that? No, no, I was, I was just going to say, say, yeah, I think, I think I was actually the starter of that, like, bro-ness thing. <laughs> but for me... I totally get it. It was at the beginning, you know, before, you know, I think, like, the first, like, couple months. And then once you guys started collaborating, I mean, I'm a huge, like, colors person, so um, that's changed. Yeah, in the beginning we had light gray for the longest time, and then charcoal. It was pretty muted color palette all around yeah and uh it was just adam and i my co-founder in a room for like a year and a half just pretty much trying not to blow anything up too badly um and then the very next step we we were like you know we we do need help or we were working like seven days a week like i don't know 10 12 hour days and finally uh i just called a couple of guys that i had gone to school with and uh, I was like, hey, do you guys want to work with us and, and, and help out? And surprisingly, uh, we made it work, and Jay's still around. But I totally get it. Bunch of dudes in a room making no yeah. <laughs> And it, that's not necessarily a problem. I think it was just like you just said. Like in the beginning, the colors were very muted. And I don't know. I was kind of just meh. But that is totally the opposite now. Good. I'm, I'm glad. It's, it's hard to... The skews and everything. You know, every time yeah. you add a color, you're actually adding three different products because yeah. we have a blank rule in the dot grid. Mm-hmm. And then now that we have the pocket, basically small, medium, and large, if we add a color, it's actually adding nine different products that we have to stock, which yeah. is like, it's pretty wild. Uh, the numbers get out of hand quickly. Yeah, no, definitely. But no, that's all I really had, just to say that I think I was the bro originator. Uh, so um let's just dive really right into that discussion about the bag kickstarter and the sort of as i like to say brouhaha around the 
sort of issues that people have had. Uh, the Kickstarter was really successful, and which you know what I I always really enjoy watching a, a successful Kickstarter run because it's it's to me it's like an eBay auction in a way because you have this period where like a lot of people get in early they get the early bird things and then everyone's like oh I don't want to miss out and then everyone's like um, pledging and you know I I don't know I just really I really enjoy that so you know I, I didn't back this one and I was kicking myself. You know, Barafig always seems to run their Kickstarters when I'm broke. Yes. So, <laughs> so you need to work on your timing a little. I'm so <laughs> Just, sorry. <laughs> um, and, and then you got to your stretch goals, which is always a huge achievement. So that's really neat. Yeah, so, we got we added the blue. Um, like I don't know, two thirds of the way through, I think. Mm. Yeah, which was exciting. You know, so I. I agree with less about Kickstarter. Um, I back board games a lot on Kickstarter. Um, and it's always really fun to watch. And it's also nice that you can say, hey, I want this thing, but it's going to end in a month. So I don't have the money now, but I will in a month. So you kind of get your spot in line, you know, um, which I like that part of it. Um, so yeah, so go ahead, Les. So I guess that's, let's start with the first question. Why Kickstarter? Now that you're an established brand and company, why use it? That's a really good question, and you, it's it's hard to explain, I think, because it's so difficult to bring people behind the scenes uh, when all we are is an e-commerce company. Like, our, our presence is our website. We don't have a physical store, and we're tucked away in Queens in a, on the fourth floor in the corner, um, but we're only six people, and... We, while we do appear to be, I guess, uh, an established company or, or somewhat large, people have who have visited the studio have asked me, where, where is everyone? Like, where, where do you keep the rest of them? Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, this is it. This is the whole team, and we work pretty hard. Everybody works really hard, uh, but we we put a focus on the way we present ourselves and try to be professional and. Uh, kind of up to snuff, you know, because we are competing with some big, big companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while our, webs- our, our website kind of does us a favor of giving us credibility in one sense, but it does us a disservice in that uh, expectations are sometimes higher than this ragtag group of uh, people can pull together, I think, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so Kickstarter... Um, is really, really useful. I mean, we, you know, not only are we a small company, a small team, but we also sell to, to a niche as opposed to, you know, Casper, we made one product, it would be mattresses. Everybody uh, sleeps on a mattress versus, you know, notebooks, notebook and journal users, um, I think are a smaller crowd, you know, in general, um, even though you guys and, and myself were, were surrounded by it, so it seems large. Um, but Kickstarter is a great way of helping us make sure we don't destroy the company. And I mean that sincerely. There have been a couple times in the past, um, five years that I've been working on this project, Baron Fig, that we could have almost, um, disappeared. We, we could have failed. We could have run out. Um, and so while Kickstarter is a great way to just put ourselves Put a little bit of risk uh, aside 
It's, and, and if you've noticed, we've been doing it when we entered a new category. So we started on Kickstarter with a notebook, which was totally new. But then a couple of years later, I think maybe 18 months to be two years, um, we introduced a pen, the Squire, and it was a new category for us. And now we know that it was super successful and it's, it's one of our most popular products. But back then, if we had tried to produce those pens first and they didn't sell, we could have been in big trouble. And the same thing with bags. Bags is even more complex um, in terms of like how much goes into creating them and how many you need to make in order for the, for the price to go down. So we really do that just, just so that we don't disappear, to be honest, so that we're around and, and, and whatnot. You know, I mean, I make that, I, that makes sense, especially with the, the demand um, thing. I mean, you don't want to believe in a product that you may think is going to be awesome, but isn't well received, you know, and then you make a bunch of it and then you're stuck with it and you're sitting on it. Um, so Kickstarter to me, like to me is a no brainer. Um, I mean, going back to saying that I, I back board games, major publishers use Kickstarter to gauge interest in a product. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think it's, it's a smart, really smart idea and business move. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably an inflection point where it's, we will be too big. Um, but yeah, we're actually like officially launched only three and a half years ago. We're an extremely young company relative to, uh, you know, the rest of the, the market, I guess. Yeah. So, um, moving into the next question, what, what went wrong that caused the need to change the colors? Yeah, this is another great subject. Good question. So physical product production is super trippy. Uh, there is so much that goes into it. I don't know. Do you guys for work or have you ever created a physical product? Um, I have not. In, in the past, sort of. Uh, I worked for a major retailer. Um, so not on the, on the side that you are, but on the other side in terms of producing goods once they hit the retail market, if that makes sense. Mm, gotcha. So you probably, you definitely have some sense of how much time and, and uncertainty there can be before a product is locked in. Um, so why did the, the colors change? Basically, what we do is, and I think just like the general rubric for Kickstarter is you kind of make a prototype and you make it like as absolutely close to the final product as you can be. And then you, if you're smart, you'll go to factories first and you'll say, hey, is this possible? And that's what we did before we launched. Uh, and we got the yes, this is totally possible. And we kind of eliminated some things that just didn't make sense production wise. Uh, and we got to a really sensible prototype. And we put it on Kickstarter. And so we had these colors that we really liked. And one this project is that um, not only we were entering like a new product category, but we also have to enter a new materials knowledge base. And what we weren't quite prepared for was fabrics and all the things that came with understanding picking swatches uh, with fabrics. There's this thing called like a TRX 
book, which is similar to Pantone, I believe, um, and how, how that all works. So whereas we could print out like a large piece of paper, let's say in a Pantone color to make sure it looks how we want it to look, you can't do that. You can't print out a swatch of, of fabric if you're making a custom color. You have to make thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, yards of it. And then, the, you know, from scratch, from zero, and then you get your color. So long story short, first time we're picking swatches, we did a ton of swatch comparison from the fabric swatches. And they're only like an inch, one inch by one inch. They're very small. Well, it turns out that when things are so small, they tend to look darker than they actually are. Maybe you've experienced this like when you're painting a wall in your house and you go by, uh, you know, you go based on a swatch of paint from uh, from the little paper book and then you actually put it on your wall and you're like, wow, that's a lot brighter or it looks different. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, been there. Exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. So basically that's what happened and we had to place the order for thousands and thousands of yards and that took several months in its own right just to make happen. So when the bags finally showed up, they were, as you know, they were a couple shades lighter. And not all, And so we had to make this really difficult decision amongst all the other stuff of like making sure we delivered on time and we delivered you know, correctly and, and got all the other goods together, you know, the custom pens and whatnot that were being made. Um, we had to make the hard decision of like, do we delay this Kickstarter for, for four to eight months and possibly have a very difficult financial situation or do we create the bags, which are, you know, they are the the same bags you ordered with different hues and we send it, we tell our customers basically, hey, this is, this is, in short, this is what happened. And if anybody is not satisfied, we'll totally replace it, exchange it, we'll return it. If you want a pen instead of a bag, whatever you need, we're going to make it happen. And it, and we had to, we had to go that route, which is, it, we were kind of backed into a, an unfortunate corner as a small company with not a lot of resources. And it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think you guys are particular about the thing, yeah. the colors and things that you like. And so I, I would imagine that opening up that box with some of those incorrect colors in oh. it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was yeah. exactly heartbreaking. I, it was upsetting deeply. Yeah. And, you know, you know when you're, you know when you see the future flash and, in your mind, you know, just every, every result of a, an action, just like boom, 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 boom. And I could just see immediately when I opened that box and what had to be done and there was no way around it. And it was just really upsetting, but you know, we had to do what we had to do. So, so when did you find out about it? Like when, like in the time frame of the Kickstarter, when did you find out that the colors were wrong and finally approve it? Good question. So our bags, actually, the, the way they're produced, 
they only the hardest part is preparing all the materials so like the hardware is the zippers and whatnot uh and the fabric and printing the plastic bags and then actually making the bags is really fast all the bags are made in just like maybe a couple of weeks wow so yeah yeah it's insane i mean we if you think about it it makes sense i was surprised when i first was told by uh, Jay, but it makes sense because we essentially, there's so much process that goes into creating a bag, right? With all the different panels and the sewing. And there's so many workstations that have to be set up and then everybody has to be trained to do this thing. So everybody is doing this. It's not like one person. So they go all in for two weeks on a single thing and then they move on and they learn something else and they create something else. So everything was made very, very quickly. So I would say we probably found out, I want to say a couple weeks before we started shipping, which is not, you know, and we, we told our Kickstarter backers pretty quickly after that. Um, it, it all happens. It all, it all came together very fast because then when they sent the, I forget what the official name is, but it's like the golden product. It's like, hey, here is like, the thing we overnight it to you you double check to make sure it's good and then we go hog wild and that was the box that we opened when we realized wow all of this fabric is not exactly the right color so it sounds like if you had said no we've got to have it r- the right color it would have been a huge cost yeah and time and money and it would have been a waste of thousands and thousands of yards of material too they would just throw it away wow yeah that's yeah so the good news no 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 keep 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 going i'll I'll ask my follow-up question later sure sure i just want to say that the good news is that um there is a vocal minority um that's not pleased and we're totally doing our best and and everybody in the end i would say like nine out of ten people are happy uh, with the customer service and, and we're totally helping but there's the vast majority of people are sending us like love letters almost mm-hmm. that are like hey you, know, you guys did a great job i love your company i actually like the new color more than what's on the kickstarter the photographs on your website that you have now are even better and more beautiful you know way to go and, and i'm really i'm really loving my bag which, Which is, is nice, nice, but people, you know, you don't see that publicly as much, unfortunately. Yeah, there's been a big outcry in some quarters, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and a f- just a follow-up question. Did the color change impact the final cost of the bags that you'll be offering on your website versus Kickstarter? So that's another That's another thing. Um, the answer, the simple answer is no, definitely not. The, the color... Whether it was the intended hue or the, the slightly different hues, um, it, the cost is the same. But we were really unsure of whether or not people would like our bags mm. at all. And we priced them. Um, you know, you have to, you have to unfortunately create. It's one weakness of Kickstarter is that it's like very um, inflexible pricing from the beginning. There's no way to – it would be so cool if Kickstarter had a way where the more people back the product, the lower the price went. Right. Kind of like mass drop. 
right? Because you could produce more. It would be fantastic. So we did not expect to do, you know, a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars of backpack sales. It's such a new thing for us. And um, we priced it out at maybe doing half that, I think, if or if that. And so another quandary arose. It's really Kickstarter is rough, and I can circle back on that later. But the other quandary now was. Well, now we're making more bags. These prices are locked in, but now we're making enough where we can pass the price savings onto our customers when we release them. What do we do? And so the decision was to, well, let's just match the lowest price that people paid, because I think at least that's fair. You can't say that you paid more than what's you know, the, the early bird and then all that, the early birds were around for a very, like, I would say 60%, 50% of the campaign, I think. Uh, so we said, like, at least let's match the early bird and, and make it fair. Be like, you know, if you got in early on the bags, you didn't lose anything and, and pass the savings on to the customer on our website. So that's what we did. I'm telling you, this was a perfect storm of just everything because what we didn't expect was that for the first time, this is our third Kickstarter, the first time we actually had a delay that um, a a delay in delivering, um, and it pushed our delivery from October, which is a totally chill month, uh, relative to November and of course December, and so we ended up pushing it delivery right into Thanksgiving. Yeah. And what happened is we we have a Black Friday sale and we have I think we just have a Black Friday sale and then one free free priority shipping. I forget. We have like three two or three sales a year in the, and it's only in the holidays. And it's just just to kind of like stir the pot. But we rarely we don't really ever do sales. Um, this year we did our first like discount sale and. What happens is the bags launched and then that landed inside of the delivery window, which also landed inside of the launch window because that was also delayed. And then people were like, hey, yeah, your prices match the price I paid, but why do these people get a percentage off? And it was just a sale that was like four days long. Oh, boy. And it really, it was on, it was rough. It was rough. We were, you know, we tried to do a lot of things and plan out a lot of things, and it's hard to figure. Out. It's hard to see it all when it's hard to step back like a customer can sometimes uh, when you're in the thick of it. Uh, and so for four days, the bags were like four dollars cheaper than Kickstarter, uh, and now they're now they're back to the same price and everything. That that makes sense. Sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Totally, totally. totally. Yeah. So how much time was there between when you found out about the color change, the approval, and backer notification? Uh, I would say a couple of weeks. Uh, actually, maybe a week. Okay. Because we had... No, maybe two weeks. Maybe two weeks. I think we shipped... I can't believe it's December 8th already. I think we shipped before Thanksgiving. And I think we found out it would be the second week of Thanksgiving. So that's about two weeks. Yeah. And then we sent out, 
Yeah, that we sent out the backer notification. I mean, the first step was like, my first concern is not, was not at the time, hey, what the hell do we do about these colors? I already knew that we had to move forward, but I wanted to deliver as soon as possible. Um, I wanted our customers to get their goods before Thanksgiving, and, if, and we were on the edge of that, and definitely I wanted to deliver before Christmas. That was, a, that was the most important thing. So do you feel like, so some of the, let me, let me dial that back. Um, some of the complaints <laughs> sure. that I've read have been that there was under communication in the process. Um, do you agree with that or, or what are your feelings? Okay. okay. I agree. I, I totally think we could have done a better job. I think that behind the scenes, we were working our butts off to get, get a high quality product delivered like uh, pretty much as soon as possible. And I think that we dropped the ball by a week in really putting together like some more information for our customers for sure. And um, in retrospect, it's, it's easy to, easy to say that, but in the thick of it, it was definitely, it was definitely a lot going on. For us. Well, I think there's always a balance. Um, I'm just going to bring up a couple of examples because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Kickstarter. Um, I love supporting makers who do cool stuff. So one of my favorite Kickstarters that it literally like after it ended, we were supposed to get our products within about six months. It was the hand ground coffee grinder. Fabulous mm. grinder If it, when we finally got one. So there were... Weekly emails for a year about various puny upgrades. Like there was a decision: do we want gray ceramic or white ceramic for the burr? And literally, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then oh, there was man. like, do you want a stainless steel washer in here of this size, or do you want the stainless <laughs> steel washer of this size? And by the end of the Kickstarter, I was like, you know what? I just want my goddamn coffee grinder that I paid for a year ago. And, you know, like so, and that's, you know, in the opposition to, I'm not going to name them the magazine that I backed because I don't want to give them any, anything. So two years ago, I backed this magazine for like $10 or something so I could get a sticker. All I wanted was the sticker. And literally since the end of the Kickstarter for two years, I've heard nothing. Then last week, I got an email saying, I know you're all very frustrated with me, and here's a little bit of what's happened. There was a lawsuit, and you're go totally going to get your stickers and the stuff you've backed. It's like, it's been two years, and I put in multiple complaints, <laughs> and you've never once responded, and no one on your team for this magazine has responded either. I've reached out to you via Twitter and all of these other places, so... You know, there's always that balance where, you know, I got too much information on one hand and then not enough on another hand. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't back this Kickstarter, so I can't, I can't, I don't have the personal experience of what went on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I wonder with the critique of Kickstarter, um, how many people have experience with it? Um, I've had largely fine like experiences, but I did back talk about backer nightmares, a board game. It was a Lovecraftian themed version of Monopoly. Ooh. 
It was called The Doom That Came to Atlantic City. Oh. And as yes. as a New Jerseyan, as someone who's from New Jersey, that was up my alley. So I backed it. The guy that was running it disappeared with all the money. <gasps> like, uh. legitimately. So I actually wrote an article about it. I'll have to dig it up. But, like, that kind of experience is an anomaly. And, like, Kickstarter in general um, has has been great for me. And I think something, and I, I said this many times, not only just last this past week, but in general, Kickstarter is not a store. Mm. Like, if you back a product that doesn't come to light while frustrating and maddening, like, you're not buying things technically. I mean, right before you click, like, you know, like, support or whatever, it has a disclaimer. And, you know, I think if you weigh that against what happened here, like, this is, like, at the top of, like, amazing Kickstarter experiences. There was a hiccup, but you know what? You communicated, you did what you had to do. Right. But, you know, I think some people might not have had extensive experience with Kickstarter and are expecting that exact retail experience, and that's not what you're going to get. Right. In the grand scheme of things, we delivered three and a half weeks later than we wanted to, and we probably miscommunicated by only about a week. That's and amazing. It's that's totally amazing. a bummer, but I, I understand all perspectives involved. And, mm-hmm. You know, I think in the end, just just telling our customers, look, whatever you need, we got you. And I think I think ultimately, all things considered, I think the team did a really good job. Yeah. Um, it sounds. I don't know. I I guess I've I've. I kind of disagree with some of the complaints about under-communication because, because of my experiences on Kickstarter. But at the same time, I do understand that it is a serious complaint. Okay. Um, so one of the other th- things that I would like to touch on is, can you comment on the accusations of attempting to keep, keep the complaints off the Kickstarter system to kind of hide or... Obs- I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. I can write it, but I can't pronounce it. Um, to kind of hide those complaints from Kickstarter. Um, yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, I, I, there is a podcaster that uh, will go unnamed. His first initial starts with a B. And um, <laughs> I think we actually are going to go into that later. I think you. Oh, yeah, you did. Um, I, I guess I can say his name then. Yeah, you could go ahead and say his name. I mean, cool. so Brad Dowdy and um, Baron Fig used to be really tight, and um, I actually used to private message him on Twitter all the time. Like we would text back and forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was you know Sunday morning I was sitting here, I just made eggs and bacon, and I was sitting on the the couch texting Brad. I was like, oh, you know, what are you doing today? What are you doing today? I mean, we were pretty. Pretty good buds back back before we announced bags. Uh, and from our perspective, and I'm I'm gonna just say that that's you know my opinion, and um, some people share it and some don't. But from our perspective, it seemed like um, his mood towards us changed a little bit when we entered the same product space as his company, Knock, um, which does bags, uh, canvas made stuff, canvas built stuff. Uh, and that sucks. I, I, again, I understand. I mean, it's, you know, when any company enters your space, it's it's threatening. And it kind of sucks. Um, and since then, I think Brad has 
used what he, you know, the assets that he's built to um, kind of foster his own business over ours, I guess is a light way of putting it. So, so Brad, um, yeah, one of his tweets was about, uh, you know, Baron Fig just wants to take the complaints off Kickstarter. And it's true. It's completely true. But I think he was misconstruing the intention. It's like if you if a, if a customer has a problem, going on a comment section of anything really, um, Kickstarter included, and kind of just like complaining doesn't really help. Um, yeah. What really helps is sending a send a message, a private message, which we get a lot of on Kickstarter, but the interface is terrible, yes. or sending us an email. So that we can say, hey, what's your name? What's your address? What's your background number? You know, kind of private information, actually, that you don't want to ask on a public comment forum. Uh, and then we can say, okay, like, what are, what are you unhappy about? Is it, you know, maybe the color isn't your jam, but you, you really like the other color. Or maybe, you know what, the bag isn't what you thought. And you want the messenger, which is totally legit looking. Or you just don't want the bag. And there, I mean, the the variables are insane on, on what customers can can express, like in terms of what they like uh, different. And doing that on a non-threaded, like, like single-thread comment system, is just the worst idea. And so, yeah, we were totally, and we're still urging customers and backers, hey, shoot us an email. We're going to handle it one by one. If you're really, you know. Like I said, we do all of the above at no cost to you. And I've even hopped on the phone with a couple customers and just like, you know, feel free like to ask me questions. Happy to help, happy to discuss. Um, so I think Brad thinks it's, it obfuscates uh, that it's not transparent. But in the end, I think being like super personal and transparent. Yeah, I mean, oh, it, you, you go ahead, D. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I saw that before, like the the falling out or whatever it's called happened. I was watching the comment thread and it made logical sense as someone who has been in customer service for half their lives. The first thing you want to do is deal with people one-on-one and not in a public forum. Um, This will not only allow you to give them the, the service they need, but allow them to speak their mind without fearing any kind of retribution. Cause what if someone was mad at you and wanted to say some things to you? You know, that's their right. So why not take it? You know, like you weren't, I never saw it as like, well, let's hide these things. It was more like, I need to get to you as soon as possible. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was like, we're listening. Yeah. Let's rock. Right. Plus you said, call me on a Sunday. Like, I mean, who does that? Like (laughs) you were trying, you know, like that's, that's big. Um, Not many companies you can call the person that's in charge of the company on a weekend. So I, I, it sounds like that it's like this decision to reach out individually to unhappy customers has been totally worth the time and effort. Yeah, I, I love talking to customers. I could do it literally all day. Uh, and it has been so many customers um, who were kind of caught up in the hubbub uh, of complaints then actually received the bags. And then they email back and like, you know what? These bags are gorgeous. I'm so sorry. I literally, I mean, I've literally gotten emails just today that are like, I'm sorry. I, I have nothing to complain about. This is awesome. Thank you so much. That's great. Yeah. 
So um, have you have you had issues with the Kickstarter customer service system? Yeah, I don't, you know, I've been to Kickstarter HQ. It's over in Brooklyn, maybe 15 minutes from us. And the place is beautiful. The team is massive. And the, the company is well-funded. But I think some of the technologies they're using are a little bit outdated. It's I mean, our first Kickstarter was 2013, and for example, like the the text editor where you build the campaign is still the same. Uh, there's a bunch of bugs every time you refresh the page. You have to add all the spaces that you put between sections, like literally every time. Which is, just uh, like just mind numbing, but I, I don't want to like throw shade on Kickstarter. I, I don't understand. Maybe they have a reason for that. Um, but Kickstarter, in general, I mean that's such a small thing. It's a phenomenal company, and they've really given given the small guys like us a chance to even exist, to even try. It's awesome. So um, another question that's come up in some of the Twitter discussion is, why a coupon code and not a refund for the backers? Yeah, I think that got misconstrued. I heard that a couple times and I was confused in the beginning. Like, why are people saying there's a coupon? Like, what does the coupon code have to do with the refund? Uh, so there are two separate things that I think people thought one was done instead of the other, which isn't true. We've been exchanging and or refunding any customer who wants it without really any question whatsoever. We pay for the packing slip, all that stuff. It's literally zero cost to the customer. Uh, and that, so the refunds are few, but yet totally happening if you want it. Uh, and then the coupon code was just to, to answer people who are like, hey, what the hell? There's a sale on your website. Why don't we get a sale? So I can't retroactively apply a sale and the Kickstarter customer service system doesn't actually, the refunds are actually not like refunds as in pulling from a pool of cash that was given. It's, it's a kind of, like I said, it's an antiquated system. So we sent over a coupon code. It's the biggest coupon code we've ever done by like almost 50%, which is, it was a 25% off code just to backers. We said, Hey, you know, feel free to use this code, um, you know, for the holidays or whatever, if you want anything else. Um, and, yeah, we, yeah, we just tried to, we tried to respond to as many things as we could. So, I really feel like the stationary community, which, you know, it feels huge since we're all in it, has yeah. really, really exceptionally high expectations of Baron Pig. Do you think those expectations are fair? Um, I, I don't think about it too much. I, I have expe high expectations of myself. I have high expectations of our team. And I think the team each, they have high expectations of themselves. And we have a lot of fun doing what we do. Um, I, I just, I'm really, to be honest, I, I want to make sure that I am meeting my own expe the expectations of myself, and, and I hope that in doing that, that I meet or exceed other people's expectations. 
you know, uh, in some regards, like we are the first customer, the Baronfic team, we're like the first people to say, I would buy this. And that's really, and we're very honest about the things we would or wouldn't buy. And so I, I really want to hit those expectations and then, and then hopefully it, it, um, it hits everyone's. So a final question about the bag thing. I'm just going to call it the bag thing from now on. (laughs) 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 What have you learned from this whole experience and how do you plan to integrate that into the future of Baron Fig? Yeah, I think the very, to be like granular and like very specific, I've learned that um, swatches are no joke and that when we do things and we expand into a new category or do a new color, we really need to see a larger version of it. What's interesting is that, you know, it, this was on Kickstarter, and if it hadn't been on Kickstarter and we received the bags and then just launched them, it's all that. It would all been a, it would have all been behind the scenes stuff, right? Just like we struggle with every product, but it's weird when you're on, you're sort of on stage doing it. Um, but so I think swatch and color choice is definitely um, something that the whole team learned. And then just better communication, really being on point, which is already something that we, um, we prioritize. I think it's just a good reminder of why that's so important. So um, getting a little personal, how has this affected you personally? That, I love this question. Thank you for asking. How am I doing? I mean that. That's like, it's a rare well, less question. Is, less is a clinician. Well, uh, yeah, I'm a therapist, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I was listening to um, the the Shut Up and Eat My Cookies. <laughs> I mentioned that. <laughs> I'm doing good. I You know, there are rough days, but it's all... You, I, I try very hard to put it in perspective as quickly as possible, and I know that um, you know, not every day is going to be great, and, and when rough times come, it's important to separate you know, how bummed I am from what my job is and make sure that I make the right decision and, and keep the company alive and keep the customers happy, you know, as, I guess as like dull as that answer is. So I'm okay. Uh, I'm I'm cool. My biggest problem, actually, is in my personal life, is we uh, we're trying to find a wedding venue. I, I got engaged last year. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Uh, me and my fiance Ariana have um, we thought we found a place, and then they stopped responding, and we're sort of like, oh no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We had that's a date. the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's it is it's rough. So that's the that's the real I mean that's the real struggle that's happening right now. We're going uh, this weekend to venues. It's my birthday Monday Monday uh, December 11th, and we'll be going to venues on my birthday. We're doing what we can. Well, I mean it's it's cool that you're going to be able to like hopefully find a place, and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so are you planning on like a big wedding just to get a little more personal? Yeah, no, sure. Um, I am. Uh, it's like a medium-sized wedding, I think. Uh, my fiance and I. I mean, you could tell by Baron Fig, like we're pretty simple. The philosophy is simple and minimal, and 
our home is the same, our relationship is the same. Um, we live in a studio, we live in one room together, and it's not that big here in New York City. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, the wedding will probably reflect that. It'll just be a get-together where everybody we love gets to have some good food. And it's a pretty simple thing. Nothing, nothing extravagant, that's for sure. So where do you um, – getting into the, the – we're, now that we're past the bag thing, um, where do you see Baron Fig in the future, like five years or ten years down the road? Yeah, this is such a, a fun question. So in my personal, my personal, one of my philosophies about planning for the future is that you don't plan, you point. So there's kind of like a, a very slight difference. Um, planning, in my mind, again, I'm defining both of these, so could be wrong, but for me, planning seems to be like, okay, in one year we're going to do this, and two years we're going to do that, etc. But for me, it's more like I make a list of things, and then I say, this is the sequence I'd like to happen. Let's go and make it happen. So I point in the direction rather than try to assign deadlines and dates, uh, because it, I feel like it can only hurt morale if you don't hit those. Uh, in general, at least. So for the future of Baron Fig, I I want to make more tools. I want to. It's going to be a broad spectrum of things. Um, I think you're going to have some surprises in 2018 and 2019 that you guys will probably be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Those are good ones. I think like you will literally say that. I mean. I think even Ariana, my fiance, is like, what the hell is wrong with you? But uh, thinkers exist. I mean, without giving it away, I think thinkers exist at home and at work, and we do different things for both, and there's a lot of room for exploration and experimentation there. Do you want to talk a little bit about ending the subscription service? Uh, yeah, sure. I know that I actually didn't really get too much time to talk about this with anybody, but just the gist. Um, so I think this summer, 2017, uh, we ended the limited edition subscriptions and, uh, we did that. So Baron Fig is kind of like designed around the artistic process, I guess. Um, you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm an art student. I am. Uh, I didn't go to business school or anything. So in my mind, the most beautiful things come through experimentation and vulnerability. And subscriptions was totally a vulnerable experiment that we did, and it worked really well. Subscribers were growing. People were liking our additions. There were some controversial ones, which made people think uh, and question certain things, which is really, really. I mean, what art is all about, you know, there's a whole, there was the whole conversation of whether, you know, a notebook can be art, and then can you interact with the artist if you're interacting with the notebook? There was a lot of cool stuff going on. But ultimately, we just decided that we wanted to take the company, we wanted to lay, take off some pressure so that we could take the company in really unexpected directions. And the team, the team was 
fully supporting the, the crazy schedule we had, 16 limited editions a year, four products with four, four limited editions each. Um, but I, I mean, I want, I want the team to, I don't want them to stress and it's not worth it, I think. So, so we, we said, you know what, let's let it go. We'll honor all subscriptions for sure. And we sent a personal letter to every subscriber. We said, Hey, this is what's happening. It won't renew, but we're going to honor every notebook that's coming your way or pen. Uh, and we took it down so that. By the end of 2018, summer 2018, we'll have delivered the final limited edition, and we can get some breathing room to be able to experiment more in other areas. That was the, that's, that's a long, I mean, I, I've been pretty long-winded tonight. No, that's all right. We go tangential every single episode. So. Yeah, I mean, you hear the edited versions of what we do. <laughs> yes, yeah, feel don't... free to edit me down. No, we won't. I don't think there's any reason to edit you down. You've been pretty on no. point. So yeah. Um, why don't we move into the questions for our from our listeners? Um, so we have. I did post on Facebook and asked some people if they wanted to ask you any questions, and I think Harry. Uh, Harry Marks of Covered uh, had a really good question: Is how do you do you think that your every Tuesday release schedule is tenable in the long term, and do you think there's a time when you'll have to cut back on how much you offer for sale? Uh, I, I totally think the every Tuesday thing is not sustainable. It was more of like the team and. Needed to come together to fill up the store with goods that served a lot of different purposes, um, just to survive. You know, we had a single notebook, just a confidant, on our store for oh, I think a year, and that's it's not really a company at that point. It's just it's like a single small product. I mean, like, like I, I said, said way earlier, if, if it, that product were a mattress, a $900 mattress, yeah, sure. But, you know, an $18 notebook can't, can't do the same thing. Um, so, yeah, we're, I actually look forward to 2018 where we cut back a little bit on the release schedule. And I think the team is going to have a, a lot more fun doing slightly longer term projects. Um, and I, I actually find this question pretty funny from Harry. How difficult is it to run a stationary slash niche company out of one of the most expensive cities in the country? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. There's a lot to consider. That's for sure. I mean, that's why we're in Queens and not in Manhattan. We need the space. We have inventory. We do customization, you know, the silk screening and the deboss. Um, it's challenging. I mean, like I said, I live in a studio and, you know, I, I cook dinner every night for, for myself and my fiance. Uh, I love to cook by the way. And there are sacrifices, I think, you know, we would, we would probably be a lot more comfortable in, um, not in such a large expensive city. Um, so Vivian asked a rather, I think, prying question. Um, so she was, she, <laughs> well, I mean, you've like, it is no, prying. I, 
<laughs> it is. Um, are you open to telling a bit, telling us a bit more about the manufacturer of the notebooks and the confidants? Um, like, sh- yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I don't think it's, it's not a taboo subject at all. It's asked a lot, and I don't know, maybe when we were younger, that Nike that Nike thing that was all over the news really put something in our heads. Um, but I've been to factories, so we have, I think, seven factories. Oh, sorry, we have factories in seven countries around the world, including the United States. And I've been to several of them. Adam's been to most of them. Jay's been to nearly all of them, uh, and especially the big ones in you know Asia, um, and of course the U.S. And really, the conditions are the same all over the world. Like the United States factories, the ones in Taiwan or Vietnam, they're all really similar and, and pretty normal for what a factory is. Um, we were talking about this question today before I left, and you know, one of the team members said, you know, <laughs> people in other countries have jobs too. And it was, for some reason, the way it was said, it was just like, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter, it's just a matter of fact. The, the people are really nice. I mean, the one, um, the one person in Taiwan, you know, Jay always visits and they talk like every day. They go out when he visits there. He, he meets, um, you know, the one guy's family. He knows the owner. Um, factories, I think we're, we're really, you know, knock on wood because you never know what can happen in the future. But I, I'm grateful that our factories are all run by really, really good people. And, and have good conditions and just do good work. Can you comment on the brand and type of paper? It's changed a bit over the years. I mean, the Vanguard that I first used really didn't handle my fountain pen inks very well at all. And now the newest paper just really gets loads of sheen. My fountain pens feel great on it. Um, can you talk about that at all? Awesome. Yeah, totally. Um. I'm glad that that you noticed that we we upgraded. You know, we do upgrade the products almost every single production run, which can happen a handful of times a year in, in mass quantities. Uh, we try to find you know one or two things, even very very small things like maybe the way a thread is cut or sewn, the two edges are sewn together. And yeah, the paper um, in the vanguards we upgraded to make sure it matched the quality of the confidant. Um, as far as the details, I guess I, I won't go into that too much. It's sort of like a chef kind of keeps his, uh, you know, some of his recipes close to his chest because that's you know, something he's worked on for a long time. I think it's the same with us. And we, unfortunately, we've also experienced companies, um, yep. stealing and copying. <laughs> so. Um, sorry, <laughs> I had a frog in my throat. Um, <laughs> any chance of ever offering it in like a package of loose leaf for printing or writing letters on? Yeah, I'm totally down for that. I, if I mean, I would need 
to hear a bunch of people say they want it because you know again we have to make things in quantity so it's kind of like literally an investment on our part and yeah like work to do it i envision like a baron fig when i saw that question i envisioned like a baron fig like a letter writing set with envelopes where the inside of the envelope matches your color scheme for your products oh that's cool and like sell it you know letter like a straight envelope and a blank piece of paper yeah, like almost, almost like, you know, like you, you buy, you can buy like letter writing sets pretty much anywhere. Um, yeah. like, a, like that's the first thing I thought of. I never thought of that. I don't write letters. I, I, I can barely, I can barely get my schoolwork done, but a lot of people, you know, when I receive letters, it's from like a fancy like little letter set, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I, you know what, if there's anyone listening, feel free to email me, joey at baronfig.com. Tell me all about how you want that, and I'll totally, totally pass this on to the team and, like, really explore the option, for sure. So, we had another, we've got a couple more questions, if you don't mind taking them. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, Reason asked, would you ever consider making a lined notepad or legal pad style notebook thing? Yeah, same, same response, I think, is, is it really depends on how many people are interested. Um, and if it turns out to be a lot, then yes, definitely. I'm totally into it. I, I mean, I'm, you guys know I, I design a lot of the products and like you can tell that I like things really simple and, and it extends to kind of the, the product catalog itself. Like I try not to bloat it too much while still serving uh, diverse purposes. And so... If if there's if I'm if if enough people make a case for the fact that like a legal pad really is a separate and unique purpose to you know a large Vanguard, yes, the answer is totally yeah. I would go for it. So uh, Johnny would love to know what is your favorite pencil that isn't the Archer. <laughs> oh man, so I don't. I, I mean, I've been to Caroline Weaver's um, shop in New York and a bunch of times, and we've hung out and whatnot, and I have tried so many pencils. Um, but I think, like, you know, besides, of, of course, I like, you know, the Blackwing for the design and the feral, curious feral. Um, I have to be... I have to go with the old school Dixon Ticonderoga number two because when I was a kid, my my grandpa used to keep them next to his desk, and I just have a memory of just he he was a plumber and um, I would go down to his desk as he was writing out all the the worksheets for the day, and it was sort of like a dark corner of the basement and. There were no bright colors, but I always remember that there was this box of pencils that was bright green and yellow, and I used to look at it and play with it, and I liked the design, even though I didn't know what design meant back then. Uh, and so when I, when I read that question, that's the first thing that came to mind, just just because it, you know, it reminds me of uh, good things, really good things. That's great. That's, that, that's a great answer. Um, Thanks. And so... <laughs> So, uh, finally, a funny one. Uh, Andy wants to know why he's your favorite host of the Erasable Trio. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, instead of answering that, I'm going to pose a question to Andy. Is Andy, why is Baron Big your favorite notebook? <laughs> All right. So, um, I'm just going to do, I'll edit this bit out. I'm going to do the follow up thing and then ask you where everyone can find you online. Cool. So, I just want to take a moment and thank everyone in the uh, Facebook group and leaving comments on the website and for anyone who's gone to um, iTunes and left us a review. It's just really awesome to get so much support from everyone who listens to the podcast. And I just want to give everyone a quick thanks to continuing for... God, I can't speak today. I had to do a second take. Never had to do a second take of the follow-up. All right, take two. I'm going to take a moment and thank everyone for their supportive words on the website and Facebook group and for anyone who's left a comment on iTunes. It's just really, really wonderful to get so much support from everyone. And I just want to thank everyone who continues to support us and has joined the Facebook group. So, Joey, where can we find you online? Yes, the internet. So I, I also want to thank everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. I apologize if I was long-winded or, or beat a subject too much, uh, beat it to death. But um, And thank you both for asking me to come on and sort of tell a little bit about behind the scenes of, uh, you know, when something doesn't go right. It's actually the first time I think we've ever really addressed it. Uh, and I really appreciate that. So anyway, you can uh, check us out, baronfig.com, uh, B-A-R-O-N-F-I-G.com. All right. Thank you so much. Dee, where can they find you? You can find me at theweeklypencil.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at theweeklypencil. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at comfortableshoesstudio, Instagram, and Twitter as original L.C. Harper. Thanks, guys. It's been great.